Well, hello there, pals. Thank you for downloading this episode of How to Wow. It's a special pop-up edition with New York Times best-selling author, happiness guru, absolute genius, Arthur C. Brooks. Arthur lectures in happiness at Harvard, by the way, and he dropped in here to deliver some amazing pearls of wisdom from his best-selling book, From Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. This is a 25-minute express train of wisdom, awe and wonder. You're going to absolutely love it. But first, every morning, Tash, my wife and I go scoop da loop with one heap scoopful of this all-round nutritional insurance, which is made up of no less than 75 vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood, scientifically researched and blended together to support and improve energy, recovery, immunity and digestion. Deep seaweed green, like nature itself. This eye candy concoction takes just a few seconds, like no more than five or six, okay, ten tops, to prepare and taste absolutely gorgeous. And so, here's how you can get yours. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow and join health experts, athletes and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash how to wow. Okay, and don't forget slash how to wow because this will entitle you to the special deal Athletic Greens have given how to wow listeners. A free year's supply of vitamin D and five travel free packs today to take with you on the go. Once again, Athletic greens.com slash don't forget how to wow all right from ag athletic greens to ac arthur c brooks and how to wow here we go good morning arthur good morning chris how are you um, the legendary chris evans well my goodness me the legendary arthur c brooks so who's the guy on the plane come on i uh, can't tell you come on oh, it would be indiscreet <laughs> besides i'm adverse to lawsuits <laughs> right uh, for people who don't know why am i referencing a man on a plane it's the man who changed my life it's uh, i was on a plane eight years ago i was the president of a, a think tank, which for your listeners who don't know, that's a, a research organization like a university without students in Washington, D.C. It was a, a CEO traveling around feeling like a real big shot, but I didn't have any end game and I was feeling pretty insecure. I was 50 years old thinking, where does this end? What am I supposed to do with my life? And I heard a man behind me on the plane explaining to his wife. I could tell he was elderly. He was speaking to, I assumed it was his wife, explaining that he might as well be dead. And his wife saying, oh, it's not true. And he said, nobody remembers me anymore. And I thought, oh, this poor guy, he's been forgotten. He probably actually never amounted to much. He's disappointed. The lights went on at the end of the flight and everybody stood up and I turned around. He was one of the most famous men in the world. <laughs> a hero, a great man doing 10 times with his life as much as me. And I thought to myself, what is my plan? So I will not be explaining to my long suffering wife, Esther, some 30 or 40 years hence that I might as well be dead. And I put together a plan as a social scientist, my retirement plan for happiness, which is this book. Um, and it's amazing. So thanks to him, imagine if you hadn't got on the flight. I think you'd have probably arrived at a similar point anyway, don't you? It's hard to say. You need a catalytic event. You know, some people get sick. Some people lose somebody that they love. It's usually a trying thing, but you're on a particular path. You need a, an inflecting experience that'll... Okay. Uh, your book uh, starts with some great phrases. Uh, none of this is easy. It's hard to teach an old 
striver new tricks because we we think we're meant to strive and therefore we become a striver and then we feel like we're running out of striving juice as it were but that's okay yeah yeah you know the problem is that what makes you good is not something that you can maintain and you know there's a lot of i'm a social scientist i teach happiness at harvard university believe it or not <laughs> and but you know people ask what do you teach they and i say happiness they think i'm lying how can that possibly be it's only americans right could have a subject like this and one of the things that you find is that what people who are real strivers hard workers excellent people my students you a lot of people listening to us who really want to do a lot with their lives they get better and better and better in their 20s and 30s but things start to get harder in their 40s and 50s and this has to do with the structure of intelligence there's a thing called fluid intelligence that gets better in your 20s and 30s and worse in your 40s and 50s and if you don't understand that you're going to have a lot of frustration facing you you need to get on a second intelligence curve and that's what this book is really all about your happiness retirement plan requires getting on your second curve so that's crystallized exactly right okay. which comes in your 40s and 50s stays high in your 60s and 70s but it's a different set of skills and you need a different set of disciplines in your life to get there now i sense this happiness that you're talking about this second wave this second curve and we've been talking about it all morning ahead of you coming in and we've had loads of reaction already and we're playing clips of from your friendship con on rich's podcast um I feel like it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say a better happiness because that's too judgmental and too pejorative on my former years and other people in, uh, of similar ages. But it feel, it feels, um, uh, more wholesome. Mm. It feels more holistic. And you, you speak to that in your book as well. But is that because I'm just so darn relieved that it's still okay? <laughs> it has a lot to do with the fact that your second happiness curve, your second success curve, has everything to do with serving others and having better relationships with other people. Your first, your fluid intelligence curve, where you're excellent at what you're doing, you're an individual, you're a ninja, you're a, you know, you're, you're like a, a, a big star, a cowboy. You know, this is how we like to think of it in the States, at least. You come up and you, and later when it starts to diminish, you got to get on the second curve, which is your otherness curve, your wisdom curve your teacher it's your dalai lama curve basically chris you're on your dalai lama curve no wonder you're happy <laughs> it's so funny because we have um two ladies who invented the astrazeneca vaccine in tomorrow because they've got uh -huh. their book out and the first person blurbing on that book is me and the first blurbing on your book is in fact the dalai lama yeah and therein lies the difference um, how the heck did you get him to blurb your book yeah I, for the last 10 years i have a very close and loving relationship with his holiness the dalai lama he's been my teacher and mentor and friend we've written together many times and we've done a lot of public events together when i when i talked to him about this particular book he was happy now it is the calmest blurb ever by the way the dalai lama doesn't say this book changed my life how could it he says arthur Imagine brooks if he did arthur brooks has written a book about how we how we grow and change which is pretty descriptive and calm but he's the Dalai Lama he is the Dalai Lama how did you forge that relationship with him well I was thinking some years ago about the people that I wanted to know to 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 really to project myself into the future and to to be able to I'm a happiness guy. I want a big. I want to get a bigger audience. I want to start a movement of people around the world who are obsessed with happiness for themselves and for other people. Who do I need to know? And so I wrote to His Holiness the Dalai Lama to his team and said, if I come to Dharamsala in the Himalayan foothills to your monastery, will you see me? And he said, yes. And so I actually went there, went to, you know, Delhi and then Amritsar and then drove up six hours. I almost hit a goat. And when I finally got to Dharamsala and he saw me for an hour, we had this beautiful meeting of the minds and we've been friends ever since. 
you have a real stillness about it and you also have a real lightness of touch, you know, and that's really important when getting any kind of message across, especially the, the message of happiness. If people come and see you at Harvard, can, can they spend like three years on a happiness degree? How does it work? Well, I teach happiness at the Harvard Business School, right. which is really the craziest thing. You'd think that I was teaching supply chain management or something incredibly practical like that. But I get the students in their last semester before they graduate and go work, become titans of private equity and hedge funds and all that important stuff. And they're realizing that they're actually not on a trajectory to be happy. They're on a trajectory to be rich and powerful and, and perhaps famous, but not necessarily happy. And that is a big skill that's lacking. And so I put in their, their toolkit, this happiness plan, so that each decade of their life, they have a fighting chance of actually becoming happier people, not just richer and more powerful people. And it's, it's, one, of the most, it's one of the most popular classes at Harvard at this point, because people are recognizing how important that is for their lives. I mean, that is fantastic, isn't it? Because when you're that young, you you feel like you can conquer the world anyway, yeah. hopefully at least. And you'd think that your class would be swimming against the tide. So in many ways, they are showing sort of... Um, uh, wisdom ahead of their own curve, aren't yeah. they? To, 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 be, to be willing to listen to that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, they're actually showing fear is what motivates a lot of people. What they're finding is that they're getting, their, their dreams are starting to come true. I mean, a lot of these people are these big strivers as kids. You know, they're, they're, they're sort of objectified by their parents as the special one, perfect marks in, in these private schools. And then they go on to the best university in, in, in the United States, perhaps in the world, and then the best business school. And, and they recognize they're actually not getting happier. And they recognize that what they're doing probably won't bring them the satisfaction. It's putting them on this treadmill of more, 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 more. And so I have to explain certain ideas like, your satisfaction doesn't come from what you have. It's what you have divided by what you want. You don't need, as you get older, to have more. You need to want less. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow when you're going to business school. But once they absorb that, it can be really life-changing. I mean, you, you say you say the Rolling Stones were sort of ahead of the game, and they almost got it right, but they 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 got a little bit wrong, yeah. didn't they? So, what was the nuance there? That who got a little bit wrong? I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, I can't yeah, keep yeah. my yeah, satisfaction. That's exactly right. So, Mick Jagger. It's an interesting thing. During the coronavirus epidemic, when I was locked down in my house in suburban Boston, and my little girl, who was a senior in high school, she was eighteen at the time. I find her not in Zoom school. You know, the sorry excuse for school that we. <laughs> she was actually laughing uproariously at the, at the kitchen table, looking at a YouTube video. I said, honey, what are you looking at? And she said, I'm watching a video of an, of an old man dancing like a chicken and trying to sing. And I thought, well, I'm not above looking at somebody making an idiot of himself on the internet because I'm a shallow person. So I come in to look at the video. It's Mick Jagger, friends. Mick Jagger, <laughs> he, who is in a 2017 performance of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. He's like 100 at this point, right? And she didn't know who he was. And she said, do you people like this? By which she meant... <laughs> Old people. Older people. And I, I took great umbrage of that. But then but then she said, why is it popular? And I said, it's the message. Now, it's not quite right. It's not true that you can't get no satisfaction. If only. Because then you wouldn't keep searching for it and wasting your life. The problem is you can't keep no satisfaction. You can get it, but it's evanescent. It's elusive. It, it you know, We all know that new car smell, it goes away. You move to California for the weather and six months later, you're just as depressed, but the taxes are forever. Yeah. I mean, life is tricky that way. And so we're looking for these goals, but we can't keep that satisfaction. The way to deal with that is not a have more strategy, it's to want less. Yeah, so satisfaction uh, is fueled by the um, by the fundamentals of dopamine. Dopamine is the molecule of more, and good luck with that. Exactly right. It's the, it's the molecule of anticipation. 
ton of more. It doesn't even give you a payoff. Yeah. It just makes you run, 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 run on the treadmill. So I'm with you. So I want to want um, less. Yeah. I want to uh, want uh, not much at all. But I'm now having, I've now fallen into the trap, and you know about this, of having to manage my lessness. Yeah. Which again is a desire. Oh, for sure. Isn't it? No, no, absolutely. So, so desiring it, less is still a desire. It's still an attachment. And so, an so attachment. The, the attachment. There so the go. key is non attachment. And there's all kinds of ways to do this. By the way, the idea of, of, attachments only to physical things is a big mistake you know i have a i have an exercise as a as a as a happiness specialist i have an exercise on my birthday my birthday was three days ago by the way Happy I turned, birthday. thank you very much i turned 58 years old and i, I still by boy oh boy i feel great i have to say but i look in the mirror and uh, and i realize that, 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 that the years are passing and and on my birthday i used to have a bucket list for the, your listeners who don't know it's a very american concept you take you, you you look at all your cravings and all of your goals and attachments to fire up your ambition basically it just makes you feel like a loser for all yeah. the things you haven't done. Now I have a reverse bucket list where I make a list of all of the things to which I'm attached and make a strategic plan for detaching myself from them. So a few years ago, for example, I, on my birthday, I gave away three quarters of my clothes, but that wasn't hard enough. So last year I gave away half of my political opinions. Now that's a kind of a non-attachment. And think about this. It's basically to say, I just, I made a list of all the things I really, really cared about politically. I said, I don't care about that anymore. I'm going to listen to people who disagree with me more. I'm telling you, Chris, I'm free. It's like it's taking an anvil off my shoulders. I know. Reserve the right to have no opinion. Oh, it's just unbelievable. You don't or, need to have an opinion. You don't. You don't have to be freaked out and fired up about absolutely everything. It's, you know, it's the great thing about being here in the UK is I hear people that, you know, families breaking apart about Brexit. And I can say, oh, interesting, interesting arguments on both sides yeah exactly and it's, so, it's not happening to you it's so easy much more easy to sort of spectate and almost enjoy yeah and now i can do that in the states because i gave away half of my political opinions i love that so there's the bucket list there's the effort list and then there's the chuck it list so yeah. you can so you're chucking it out is yeah, what you're doing. yeah that's the reverse bucket list exactly right oh, i love it um can you uh, speak to my favorite um uh, social social experiment of all time do you remember the one the where they studied the, the men um of all different demographics um over decades and decades and decades and the conclusions from that and the ted talk from that the, oh, so this is a this is a study from the it's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. It's amazing. This is a, an eighty four year longitudinal study starting in the late nineteen thirties of men who were graduating from Harvard University. They blended it with a sample of people who didn't go to college, and then it became more demographically representative. So it wasn't just white men; it was men and women and people of all different races. And they tracked them all the way until they died. Seventeen members of the study are actually still alive of the hundreds and hundreds they started with, but then their kids and grandkids, and it's unbelievable how much data they have. And they have a, a list of the things of the people who wound up healthy and happy. This is what we want. That quadrant of both healthy and happy. What did they all do? And some of it was obvious. I mean, don't smoke cigarettes. I mean, who doesn't know that at this point? Don't drink to excess. And if you're worried about it, don't drink at all. Make sure that you're getting plenty of exercise. And the way to do this is walk an hour a day. But look, your grandmother could have told you that. But, but the really interesting things come in. You should read for an hour a day. You should find a way to deal with your problems so you're not ruminating on them if you need help go see a go see a therapist whatever that happens but the number one thing on a walk is love happiness is love full stop and that means all kinds of love love for the divine if you're a religious person certainly love for your family because of Brexit, don't break down with your family. That is insanity. That is stepping over $100 bills to get to nickels. It is the dumbest thing that you can possibly do is to have family breakdown over politics. It's idiotic. The third thing is real friendship. We all know the difference between real friends and deal friends. 
and as real strivers, you know, the people who are listening to us that are, you know, busting their picks 16 hours a day, tons of deal friends. Do you have real friends? You know the difference. And finally, making sure that your work serves your fellow humans. Love for the divine, love for your family, love for your friends, love through people through work. That's the secret of happiness. It's all in the book. Um, so there's falling in love, but as you get into your second curve, um, real joy is staying in love. Yeah, it certainly is. And especially in, when I talk about romance, one of the, there are two things that my students always come to talk to me about in office hours. You know, they come to say, Professor Brooks, <laughs> you know, I'm reading all these neuroscience papers and that's really, really great and all that. But tell me how to fall in love and stay in love. And the second is actually, what should I do about my religious life? Because they're all kind of on this spiritual journey, which is actually really important, of course. On the religion, on the, on the falling in love part, it's interesting. I do a lot of research on internet dating and about these patterns from millennials. And and the fact is, millennials in the States, but also here in the UK, are 30 percentage points less likely to say that they are in love than people were in their 20s when you and I were in our 20s. Now, Chris, that's catastrophic. You know, we, what, what's the point for, of being... For who? In, for them or for us? For, it's for the, for the civilization. I mean, it's like, the, the point of being in your 20s is falling in love. What else is there know, in your 20s? Everything else is a pretext to, you know, give you the time and means to fall in love. And when there's less marriage, there's less cohabitation, there's less love, there's less romantic love, you got big problems. And so I talk to them about all the things that are going wrong. Internet dating is 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 catastrophic. It's matching people with too much political compatibility. It's got no complementarity between people. Nobody's ex- is, is talking about what the real secret to love is not just passion. It's, it's admiration. It's respect. It's friendship is really what comes down to it. And a lot of young people today, they don't actually know how to make friends. So how are they actually going to fall in love? I mean, that, my best friend is my wife, Esther. I mean, she actually understands me. She, she loves me despite me. She cherishes and tolerates you. It's the craziest thing ever. I have no idea how she accomplishes that, but just because we're best friends, actually. We're racing through the book, but we have to. Uh, This book is amazing. From Strength to Strength, Arthur C. Brooks, New York Times, best-selling author. We've all read this book cover to cover. We couldn't put it down. We've all made notes. Here comes the next one. Tell us about play dates for the OGs. Yeah, yeah. So the old timers, (laughs) one of the biggest problems that you have, if you're an aging striver and you had lots and lots of deal friends, you may not have the real friend chops anymore. And so I meet a lot of guys in the United States. The the loneliest people are 60-year-old men. I mean, you'd think that as a 60-year-old man, you'd have some skills when it comes to friends. Uh-uh, not so much. I mean, I meet people, who, especially those who work really hard, that don't have any real friendships. And so you find that they retire and they're desperately lonely. So what happens is that there's this movement, actually started here in the UK, also in Australia, but in, in the United States, sort of the Anglosphere, I guess, called called men's sheds it's 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 actually kind of depressing but it's a good idea that's behind it where they have these sheds these like tool sheds or or craft sheds in these neighborhoods and women with their retired husbands will just take them there and leave them there with other guys well they'll you know they'll build a birdhouse together or something these guys that they've never met because what happens women bond largely over conversations about their feelings men have to men the most mysterious thing ever is your feelings like chris how are you feeling it's like what i don't know you know i have I what have, do you mean i have sons you know it's a, my, my middle son he's a he's a he's a marine special forces this guy's a tough hombre six foot five covered in tattoos he can kill you with his pinky finger but he cannot tell you how he feels it's he's compl- that's that's mysterious to him it's it's like you know the one of the mysteries of the universe so what happens is these guys go through life never being able to figure this out so but they they need friendship because we we all need this kind of platonic love. So what do you do? You have to have shared activities. And if you've never done that before, you're, these sheds, your wife takes you there and you say, you can't come out till you've built a birdhouse with your friend Bill. Yeah. 
And, and it turns out to be the salve on the soul for these guys. They, ha- they start becoming ha- happier. Strange. Yeah, as long as it works, it doesn't matter how it works, I don't think. Uh, so let's slip and slide towards the spiritual via intrinsic versus extrinsic goals. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, this is, there's a lot of research that shows that, that we have a tendency to think. And on the first day of class, <clears throat> at my, my MBA students, 27 years old, Harvard University, I say, what would make you remarkably happier as a person? And they talk about things happening to them. They talk about, I get the, I, the woman I'm in love with agrees to marry me. If, if they have that relationship, they talk about, if I get that job that pays really well, if I finish my degree with honors, whatever it happens to be. And I say wrong. Why? Because circumstances don't last for your happiness. Again, you can't keep no satisfaction. That's the nature of the brain. It's a phenomenon called homeostasis. There's an actual neuroscientific reason for that. That goes back to the Pleistocene, why you can't keep no satisfaction. So what do you need to do? You need to look inward for your satisfaction, not externally. Extrinsic rewards are looking to the outside world to bring you happiness. Intrinsic rewards are all about love. They're all about relationships. They're all about the the satisfactions that come that you manufacture inside your own heart and inside your own soul. And you find that people who say that my ambitions are about having better relationships with my kids, with my parents, with my friends, with the people that I love romantically, they're the ones 10 years later who have fewer physical maladies. They have less depression. They have less anxiety. But the ones who say, I'll be happy if I'm the CEO. Woe be unto them. So if you tap your own well of love and care and gratitude, that that for, then forever flows. Absolutely, it? absolutely, Chris, you got it. You nailed it. And and the question is, <clears throat> can people do that before they're our age? <laughs> it's a it's a <laughs> Maybe tricky you're thing. Not allowed. It's like the rite of passage of, of of you know the younger generations. You know, like the Beatles couldn't help themselves. They wrote like three or four hits every week. And right. then as, as certain artists get older, they they can't. That, you know they can't get arrested in the charts. It's just it's just what you're allowed to do. It's recognizing um, what nature wants to give you at particular times, not getting caught on one particular perch mm. and being happy to flow down the river, but you still have your your own paddle, if you like. Exactly right. And this is the nature of what we started talking about earlier. Look, you've got your fluid intelligence that makes you a big star, a striver that can achieve innovation, creativity, focus. But later in life, it really is all about the relationships, the wisdom, the teaching, the way that you can work with other people. And when you cultivate that, if you can go from Mark Zuckerberg to the Dalai Lama, boy, that's the trick. If you can walk from one curve to the next. But every single person listening to us, when they get into their 40s, they're going to notice that what used to be easy gets harder. And things that are relational, that are instructional, the things that you can share your wisdom, those things weirdly start getting easier. Start moving your career. Start moving your life to those skills, and you will get happier. Yeah, and I think the discomfort is more palpable as you get older because you, you know, know thyself. Your true nature, you know, comes shining through, and you're thinking, you know, I'm getting this wrong, but it's because you're feeling more right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And a lot of people, they, they, they regret the fact that things have gotten harder. They feel ashamed of the fact that some of these skills tend to be waning, and they shouldn't be doing that. They should be celebrating the fact that their life is changing. They're getting the consolations of age. You know, left to our devices, if we actually live on this second curve, we we will get happier. Look, everybody listening to us, here's my guarantee. Don't leave it up to chance. If you use the skills correctly, you can be happier at 75 than you were at 25. You actually can do that, but you must cultivate the skills that actually come with age. Yeah, and you're not selling snake oil here because you know you, you have a you know have a dog in the race. You have some skin in the game with your book, but yeah. this is you're not trying to get a sign up for some lucrative online course. You're just saying it's there. Take it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is this is free for all. God gave it to everyone. It. All it. of it's just the most beautiful thing I have to say. And and I'm. 
I'm I'm 58 and I'm actually looking forward to 78 yeah. because I did the research. I ate my own cooking. <laughs> yeah. I, I did this for three. I actually started working on this you project for three the years. Recipes. I actually did. And, and I didn't, I wasn't even going to publish this as a book, but my wife found my notes. I was doing, I was doing this research on myself to see if I could get happier. And she found the notes and said, you should send this to your agent. Yep. I said, I, I, I don't know. It turns out there are a lot of people who want to be happier. Weird, yeah, right? Yeah. The best research is me search, which ends up, thank you to people like yourself as we search. So yeah. we're going to take all that. Um, we get to Buddhism. Of course we get to Buddhism yeah. uh, and we get my favorite chapter is the chapter about India mm. and the four different seasons. We've got two minutes left. Do what you want with those. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you find in, in, in the, the, the great Indian gurus, they say that life is in four quarters. The, the student phase early on called brahmacharya, the householder phase where you're building your career called grihastha and your family. But the third and fourth phases of the magic phases of life, starting sometime in 45 or 50, vanaprastha which means retiring into the forest from two words in Sanskrit. And you don't have to literally retire into the forest, but you need to back away from your worldly ambitions and start to think about the sources of your true joy such that you can get to that fourth quarter, which is sannyasa, enlightenment, one in being with Brahman, the creator. And you figure out what that means for you. But the bottom line is you got to do the work. And the work is intensely about you, about becoming non-attached, about wanting less, about loving more. If you want less stuff, if you want and you pursue more love, Vanaprastha will be yours and sannyasa is your future. Yeah, and the whole thing is, you know, if you want less, it means you have some stuff. And yeah. So if you want less, all you have to do is discard it. And there's that whole thing about being tethered in a hot air balloon. Yeah. You know, you to, for that balloon to rise, you don't have to expend more hot air. You just got to cut those lines. Exactly right. And again, there's nothing wrong with stuff. The problem is basically loving stuff. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with having a relationship with people that's in terms of business, but don't use people. Here's how I end the book. The world tells you to, <laughs> use people love things and worship yourself and it's all wrong you need to take the verbs and nouns and mix them up you should use things that's fine love people only and worship the divine and the future is yours wow um congratulations thank goodness your wife found your notes yeah <laughs> know. who knows what else she's found but i'm i'm, a, I'm what a was lucky she looking man. for that's the question <laughs> why was she rooting around there in the first place that's what i want to know um you're on with our pal rich roll in a couple of weeks have you recorded that podcast yeah i've yet? recorded that podcast already rich rolls phenomenal because he's somebody who's truly on his second curve and yeah. he's a, he's a, he's an example to all of us i've been a long time fan of rich's and our friend you know and the second the second curve is all is it's a metaphor it's a reflection of the resurrection isn't it yeah. that's, that's the thing there isn't it sure is you um, sure are doing a lot right chris are you happier and happier as the years go by Maybe as the seconds go by it's crazy isn't it yeah and that whole thing about michael a singer you know keep 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 the heart open because yeah. you know if the doors close nothing can get through and if the doors just keep them keep them release relax relax and release how many decades have you been in the business this business yeah it's coming up for four yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an FC. We, I mean, we know you across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's let's have that discussion off the air purely because we're running out of time. Because my favourite subject is me, uh, uh, unless it's you, of course. Thank you. And uh, now it's we. Uh, yeah, it is. Arthur Seabrook's New York Times bestselling author. Got to get this book from strength to strength. Thank you so much, Arthur. Thank you, Chris. How good is he? Arthur C. Brooks, how good is he? Do yourself a favour and pick up a copy of Strength to Strength, Finding Success, Happiness and Deep Purpose in the Second Half of Life. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to rate and review this episode and want to dive into the How to Wow archives for more gold from the likes of Dame Emma Thompson, Stephen Fry and Ron Howard. Ta-ta.